0: The Lord. Let me let me talk about my trip, but let me read this to you first of all. For, if you don't know this, I was in in Columbia last week, and we had a great time, and uh, the Lord really moved while we were there. The scripture says this in uh, in one Samuel chapter thirty. David is is speaking, and he says he says for he says, but as his part is that goeth down to the battle. So shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff, they shall part alike. David was saying, he's saying, you know what, whether you go fight or you stay by the stuff, everybody gets the same reward. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you partnering with, with me and, uh, uh, in this endeavor. And I want you to know that you receive the same reward that I receive. We all get to share in that reward. Whether you prayed or whether you gave financially, whatever, I just want you to know this is something that we did, not something that I did. Just so you know. I believe that God honors partnership. And the Apostle Paul talked a lot about partnership uh, in his epistles and how the, the, the churches partnered with him. And he talked about the blessing of God that came on people who partnered with him in the preaching of the gospel. That's why it's so important for us to give to missions, to give to those who are preaching the gospel. It's so important for us to be a part of that. It's important for us to pray and and, and understand just the partnership and how valuable that is. So first of all, let me just say thank you. Whatever reward I get in heaven, we're going to be standing there together. Alright, we're gonna be right there together and that's that's the important part about partnership. Sometimes we forget, you know, what, what it's what it's all about. I'm, I we went down to uh Colombia, went to depends on who you listen to, even there, whether you call it Medellin or Medellin, because truly when I took Spanish it was pronounced Medellin, but some people pronounce it Medellin. And so it just depends on who you are. Medellin was at one time the drug capital of the world i mean it the cartel the drug cartels there ruled the city they uh, were in charge they uh, some of the pastors that that i visited with uh, were, were hitmen or drug cartel people got paid a dollar a life that they took uh, and it was the kidnapped capital of the world it was dangerous to walk the streets, especially if you were from North America. Uh, it was very dangerous there. Uh, it was the murder capital of the world as well. Uh, today, it's different because the Lord is really moving there. Uh, it, it, Of course, I've never felt terribly uncomfortable in any place I've ever been that I know of, as long as I know that, that I'm doing what the Lord told me to do. But we got there and, and uh, got a tour of the city. It's a beautiful city. It's in it, Medellin is in, the, it's in a valley in the Andes. And it, it runs north and south primarily, and there's a train system that goes north and south. And then you can take gondolas to the top of the mountains because the people live on the mountain sides. And you can take a gondola up and, and see the city. It's, it's beautiful. But we went primarily to, to minister to pastors. Uh, the pastors there in, in, in Medellin, they uh, were disjointed. They never got together. You know how, you don't know, maybe you don't know this. Pastors are funny people because they feel like they're in competition sometimes. And they feel like that if I let you visit with my people, then you'll steal my people because you might preach better than me. And uh, I, I, think, I think some of you know that Larry Lee used to be, we used to be pretty close with Larry. And, and, and he said people used to always accuse him of stealing sheep. And Larry would always say, he said, you know, I don't ever steal sheep, I just grow grass. <laughs> he said, the, the sheep just come and eat the grass. But um, these pastors never got together. And so we had the opportunity to minister to them. Some 50 pastors and their wives from from uh, spirit-filled type churches came together and let us just minister to them. Uh, and it was really, really good. They're very sweet people. Uh, we had a lot of fun ministering to them. And so when when I got there, when I travel overseas uh, or as uh, we did go over the Gulf, well yeah, I guess we want to go over the Gulf to get there, but when I travel to a foreign country, I typically will always uh, begin talking about healing because I know um, they're not poor people necessarily, but they're not they don't have the advantages that you and I have uh with health care, and so I typically will always talk about healing to begin with, and uh, that's just, I find that, that these people are eager to hear the good news that Jesus is the healer, and these were pastors, and you know, I mean, I don't know what they know and what they don't know, and I'm thinking, well, they might know as much as I do, they might not, they might know a lot more than I know, uh, but but I, I began by, by reading this, this verse of scripture in Luke chapter 5, where it says, But so much the more there went out a fame abroad of him, speaking of Jesus, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of him, of their infirmities. The similar verse is in Luke chapter 6. It says they came to hear and be healed of him, of their infirmities. They came to Jesus for two reasons, to hear and be healed. Here's the reality. Hearing has a lot to do with being healed because faith comes by what hearing. hearing they came to hear and be healed mm-hmm. jesus said other, i can get really get off my subject here if i if i'm not careful he he said take heed what you hear for with what measure you meet with all it will be measured to you again it says that in mark chapter five i believe what we hear is very important and jesus here it says they came to hear and be healed and so I began to teach them about healing because the Lord told me before I got there that, someone, that, that, that they just needed healing in lots of areas. And then I read to them from that same chapter that Jesus, it says that he was teaching and there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. This is like two verses later. It says, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's a pretty powerful verse, don't you think? I mean, they're there. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. The doctors and the lawyers, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. They didn't even believe in Jesus. I mean, in fact, they were there to find reason to accuse Jesus, but the power of the Lord was there, was present. To heal them. Now this is the story where they lower the young man through the roof. You remember that story where they went to the side of the building, lowered him down, and Jesus looks at the boy and or I say boy, he could be a grown man, I'm not sure, but Jesus says to him, He says, "Your sins are forgiven you," and they all got mad. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Jesus says to this guy that was lowered down, that that was it was a paralytic. He said, "Your sins are forgiven you," and they were they just got indignant. They said they said. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking. And 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 he he says, Why reason ye in your hearts? He said, Whether is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or say, Rise up and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say to you, Arise, take up your couch, and go into your house. And immediately he rose up before them. Now I said this to them because what I wanted to get to was this passage of Scripture. Which is easier? Not which is harder. Jesus didn't say which is harder. Which is easier? Being forgiven of your sins or being healed of your sickness? Which is easier? In other words, neither is hard. And so that's what I taught on. And then I said, who needs healing in their body, anticipating that about five people would stand up. Well, of the hundred that were in the room, about 80 stood up. (laughs) Because I fully intended to lay hands on the sick ones and pray for those five or six that would stand up. Well, so they all stood up, or about 80 of them stood up. And so we prayed a prayer of faith for them. Based on what the scripture had had said to us, and obviously, I took an hour to teach what I I just told you in three minutes. And uh, I asked how many got an instantaneous healing, and I mean, many hands went up in the room. Well, a little bit later, I was with our our host, uh, and he told me, he said, one of the pastor's wives was there, and she was totally deaf in her left ear. And when we prayed the prayer, her ear opened. And she could hear. Well, she came to hear and be healed, and she heard more after that than she had heard in a long time. And so we ministered healing. Already. I mean, that what I taught them was healing, because even the pastors, you know, they're not being prayed for for their sickness and their disease. And so mostly, my goal was to teach them how to teach their people. To hear and be healed, but it was interesting that many of them were healed at that at that time. And then I taught on uh, some of the things I've taught you about who we are in Christ and and the power of the blood of Jesus, and taught about how uh, how I can see in the Scripture that Jesus ministered to people. And because uh, we, we we talked about that time, but there were four preachers, five counting counting our host. And we each preached, well, some of us preached twice a day and some preached once a day, but we preached a lot to them in just a couple of days. These people got lots of word in them. Well, by the time it was over, we had had laid hands on all of them and prayed for them, and they were loving on each other. This was the greatest part. They were loving on each other. And they were just praying together, and they were holding hands in, in groups and just praying and, and loving on one another in the Lord. I mean, God did a great work in them. And the reason this place is no longer the drug capital of the world is because the Christians have come and been praying there and have been have been preaching the word there, and the churches are, are growing. But these pastors needed fuel, and they got lots of fuel, just the word being taught to them where they could receive and they realized they weren't lone rangers, that there were other pastors just like them. And it was really awesome to see. And toward the end, you know, we were kind of like rock stars before we got finished. I don't know how that worked, but they're all wanting their picture taken with us and different things. And, and wanting us to sign. We took one of Pastor Sheets' books down there, and they wanted us to sign this book for them And So I just signed Morris Sheets. No, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't do that. But we, they, they were, they were wanting to do that. And then this lady comes to me, and um, she, she was saying something about healing to me. I know enough Spanish to get in trouble, and uh, I can ask almost any question. I can't understand the answers that that they give to me. But uh, she was telling, telling me something about healing her husband, his throat. And I thought she was saying his throat got healed, or his neck, whatever it was in his neck, got healed. And and uh, and. I'm trying to understand her, and finally I figured out she was saying he needs me to, she wanted me to pray for his throat because he couldn't swallow, okay? And so I said, okay. Well, he was reluctant. He comes over there, and he was reluctant to get prayed for. So I prayed for him, and I mean, I really felt the anointing as I was praying for him, and they thanked me, and they walked out to this little balcony area where they were going to get a snack. About three or four minutes later, this guy comes running back in the room, because the Lord totally healed him. I mean, he could just swallow. He was so excited that God had healed him, and so it was. And that was kind of the last thing that happened while I was there. Other than, other than I was there, and this, this one young lady came up and she grabbed me by the arm and she began to hug me on the arm, and I thought it was creepy to me, and I thought, what are you doing? And at the same time, I'm thinking, well, maybe you know, I still got it a little bit. This girl's wanting to hug me. <laughs> You know, and she's she's hugging on me, and, and, you know, then I I notice there's some guys taking pictures. Well, I realize the guy that's taking pictures is her husband. Now it's even more weird to me. (laughs) And then she says to me, she says, you look like my father. And I thought, oh, great. (laughs) 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 And, And... her father her father had passed away, and so it meant a lot to her to be able to to hug my arm and to get her picture taken with me. so that was a lot of fun for, for that's right. it was better than yeah, yeah, she was I, yeah, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> well, she was probably she was probably 40, so you know but still, you know Oh my anyway thank you so much for your support and I know the people those pastors appreciate uh, that we were able to go we actually paid for the conference ourselves uh, we paid for the facility we paid uh, obviously to get there we paid for everything we did everything for them we paid for their lunch uh, we paid for it all and so if you as you partnered with me in financially or in prayer or however you partnered I just want you to know we all get the same Reward, Amen. 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 Now, let me read you this passage. Obviously, healing is supernatural. I mean, God makes every body, every human body, he makes it with healing already in it. Okay, I mean, if you cut your finger, it heals. Okay, but then sometimes there are things that go on in your body that you need That same healing power, but you need that uh, multiplied many, many times to get rid of the cancer or to take care of of whatever it is that's going on in the body uh, or to heal the bone faster or whatever it may be to cure the throat or to open an ear. Uh, That's the supernatural we're talking about. We need that kind of supernatural. We need to see it not just in Columbia, but we need to see it here. We need to see God move in our lives supernaturally. So the text we've been reading the last several weeks is this one. Jesus said, this is in Mark chapter 9, the man says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, you say to me, if I can do anything, why all things are possible to him that believes. Jesus and that guy are talking about the supernatural. The fact is that God views us as if we've never sinned. Do you realize that? Well, that's impossible. It is just absolutely impossible to think that God could look at me, God who knows everything, sees everything, understands everything, that he could look at me and say that my sins have been scattered as far as the east is from the west. It's impossible. I can't even fathom that. I mean, I don't know your world or your life, but I, I know this. I probably don't see you that way. Because not all of you are as bad as I am, but I know some of you are. But when God looks at me, when God looks at you, he, he looks at us through the blood of Jesus and He sees us with absolutely no sin. We've been justified. I mean, it, it, it is it is as if we never one time sinned before and that's how God sees us because that's what the blood has made us. I mean, that. Is impossible the thought that that you and I can go to heaven when we die that's impossible how how is that gonna happen if if we if our body dies and our spirit and soul go to heaven before our body goes how can that be and then how we gonna come back and get a body (laughs) it's impossible what about that guy who fell off the boat that knew Jesus the shark ate him and he comes back how's he going to get a body what about this what if what if tomorrow Jesus came back and in the moment in the twinkling of an eye we met him in the air now that's impossible But you know what? What I'm saying is fact. That's what's going to happen. We believe in the impossible. I mean, the thought of life after death is impossible. The thought of the rapture is impossible. I mean, all that we believe is impossible. I mean, it's totally impossible. I mean, Jesus his ministry he 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 was raised from the dead, he healed, he delivered he all all the things we believe are absolutely impossible. The Christian life begins with the impossible because it was impossible for you to become a new person. It was impossible for you to 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 have all your sins erased impossible it began with the impossible and it ends with the impossible. It ends with us in heaven with jesus i mean we're it just it's impossible but you know what that's the reality everything we count foundational is impossible so why is it so unusual for christians to believe in the impossible that's why jesus said which is easier to forgive your sins that's impossible or to heal your body that's impossible Why why is it hard sometimes for us to believe those things? I mean, in this passage, this guy, his son, had the demon, and the disciples couldn't get it out. And they tried. I don't know what they were doing, but whatever they were doing didn't work. They later said, why couldn't we get it out? And Jesus was pretty clear. He said, because of your unbelief. He said, that's why you couldn't get it out. Because you didn't believe. I mean... A lot of times in Christianity, we have formulas and we have different ways we've done it all of our lives. But what God wants us to do is to operate in this realm of belief. Believing what he says. The disciples couldn't get it done. I mean, they were trying. You know, I don't know what they were doing. You know, maybe maybe doing the, you know, ooga booga. What's some, You know, trying to get the, come out of here. I don't know what they were doing. But they couldn't get it out. Jesus comes. He gets the demon. I mean, he, he knows what to do with the demon. And the guy says, the guy says, your disciples couldn't do it, but if you can do anything, that is the Christian theme song. <laughs> God, if you could just do something, if you could just do something, I love Jesus' answer, if I can do something, if you can believe. All things are possible to him that believes. That lady in Columbia, she simply believed. She simply believed that what the word says is true. And all of a sudden, she could hear. Because I said, do what you couldn't do before. And she covered up her head, this ear, and she could hear. It's impossible. It is, I mean, who knows if she'd been to the doctor or not, but Jesus said the only if involved here is if you can believe. Yeah, but I just can't believe. Yes, you can. It only takes a little bit, little faith to say to the sick of mine tree, be thou plucked up and cast in the middle of the sea, and it will obey you. Jesus said it takes mustard seed faith for that to happen. Everyone in this room has at least that. Everyone in the room has that. I mean, we are called believers, right? Runners run, swimmers swim. <laughs> believers believe. We believe. You believe enough to get to heaven, right? You believe enough. To 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 know that your sins have been wiped away, which is easier. See, we need to figure out that that what he said is true. God intends for us to live in the realm of the impossible. I mean, that's what I see when I read the New Testament. I mean, when I read when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I see what Jesus did. And then I read the Book of Acts, and those guys did exactly the same things they saw Jesus do. And I can understand if, if if the apostles did that, but this other guy named Paul who didn't even really ever see Jesus except that one time on the road to Damascus and he saw him after he was raised from the dead, he did the same thing Jesus did. The same way Jesus did it. And that whole nonsense about the miracles died with the last apostles is just that. There's nowhere in the Bible that it tells us that the miracles have passed away. Nowhere does it teach that. There are people who take half a verse of Scripture and they'll try to tell you that's what that that means. It doesn't mean that. Listen, the pattern of the New Testament is as true today as it ever has been and it's because people believe what God said. That's what Jesus did. He simply, he said, I do what I see the Father do. I say what I hear the Father say. And he knew and he believed that if he did and said what the Father said and did, that he would get the results that God promised him. Every time. Jesus walked by faith, just like you and I have to walk by faith. God intends for us to walk in the impossible. Man, I tell you, that's exciting to me. The church needs a revival. Right now, in the church, overall, I'm not talking about our church necessarily. But overall, we have a theory of the miraculous. We need to see God move. And Jesus told us what to do. He said, all things are possible to him that believes. How do we get there then? It depends on what we hear. If all we hear. Is God doesn't move anymore. Or God isn't moving anymore. Guess what we get. We believe what we hear. If we hear it over and over again. If that's what we're hearing. We need to begin to hear a different thing. We need to begin to take the word of God. And if nobody else is saying it out loud, I'm going to say it out loud to me. I'm going to say it. Yeah, but I don't feel like it's true. Faith and feelings have nothing to do with one another. Faith, it, 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 it exists totally apart from what I feel. We're trying, we try to make Christianity match our feelings. We need to make our feelings line up with what we believe. Instead of allowing, I just, I just feel so bad today. We're not, we're not going to deny that we feel bad today. But what we're going to say is feelings. You take a back seat to what God has said. You have to obey what the Word of God says as well. Yeah, but my circumstance says, when did the circumstance become the boss? Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. Somehow we've got to get beyond intellect into the spirit. And if we'll begin to say what God says, we'll begin to have what God promised. We'll begin to do what what we're supposed to do. Over the past couple of weeks we looked at that the impossible. We looked at that we looked at, at at David. Man, he just took control of the situation. Goliath was in control, but David said, "Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God?" When are we going to stand up and say, "Who Is this uncovenanted devil that would defy what God has promised? We saw how Elijah, I mean, he just took authority over all the prophets of Baal. He said, let's just see whose God is God. And he just took authority over it. And when God rained down fire, everybody knew whose God was God. We, we, We have to learn that. You see... The devil, according to the scripture, he's a defeated foe as long as you walk in your covenant. He has authority and he has power, but it can only be exercised and wielded over those who don't know the covenant. That's pretty good. The scripture says he is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour everybody. He can only devour some. Those who don't know their covenant will fall for the wiles of the devil. And I know you've heard stories or sermons about that where they tell you that the that the lion that is the roaring lion and the one with the big mane, the male is the old toothless one and that he roars and he scares the animals and they run to the toward the, the the young females who can tear them limb from limb. And it's a trap, the devil. Listen. He has authority. He has power, but he does not have authority or power over the name of Jesus. He doesn't have authority over you when you understand who you are in Christ. And you exercise that authority in Jesus' name. But it's going to take, yeah, but I thought we were just under grace and didn't have to do anything. (laughs) It's going to take Christians becoming men and women of faith who are willing to fight the good fight of faith. And I'll tell you, then we'll give the command to sickness. And it will obey us. We're going to learn how to speak right and believe what we say when we say it. And things will begin to happen. Amen.